from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, here for you Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and over a 1,000 people have graced the stage of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and every single time we get to have a new voice on here, it means the world to me, and to have film, TV, and voiceover actor, as well as the creator of Jack of All Trades, a movie I just saw, thanks to John Newman, and we'll talk about John a little bit too. Stu Stone is here on the show today. He has a tremendously long list of work that he's been able to do. And uh, Stu and I are going to have to talk about the fact that his music also stays in your head because I, I, I watched a couple of those videos, especially the Bob Saget, and I can't really get it out of my head at this point. So we, we got Stu here live from Toronto. Him and I are both hurting this morning as Raptors fans. But Stu, how are we doing today? Doing very well. Thank you very much for having me. Good morning. And yes. Uh, perhaps like the Raptors needed a wake-up call um, this morning after coughing up what looked like was going to be a win in game one against the, the Bucks there last night, but it wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. No, and, and unfortunately, you know, this this stuff seems to happen, but have you always been a Raptors? Because I'm, I'm 95, like the, the jersey, everything comes out, they unveil the logo, I'm there. Have you been a fan since the beginning? Uh, I, obviously, yeah. I mean, of course. Ever since uh, Dame, Mighty Mouse Damon Stoudemire was uh, named a Raptor back in the day, uh, I've definitely been a fan of the team. And through the Vince Carter days, those were exciting times. Uh, through the Chris Bosh era, which was a little more lackluster. Yeah. Uh, through the uh, Demar Derozan uh, when we when we when we went to the uh, conference finals the last time, and now of course we have the year of Kawhi. Will he stay? Will he go? Will he have a championship? That's uh, that's pretty much my Raptors history. You can throw Oliver Miller somewhere in there, somewhere else, and <laughs> Master P, the rapper, trying out for the team in some other chapter, but that's pretty much Raptors history right there. And I think it's awesome that Master P almost made the team. Like They said that, that it, was, it was close, but Oliver Miller, it makes me so happy that even though I had to wait since 1995, Stu, the fact that, that you could have that timeline – that only I I felt like it was only me that could that could share that timeline living here in America, but the fact that you brought that to the show today it has been a long time coming, but well worth it. And there's a Damon Stoudemire plaque with a Damon Stoudemire rookie card right behind my head in my studio this morning. Oh really? Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's, that's he's, really cool. He was my favorite. Um, Mighty Mouse was the best. Uh, he was the man. Um, you know, and I I could have brought up Hakeem Olajuwon. He had a cup of coffee. Uh, with the, with the team, yeah, but I left him out. And, and Ken, Kenny Anderson, I remember that that fateful day that Sports Center did a thing where Kenny Anderson's number seven jersey was hanging in the dark in the locker room, but he refused to play for the Raptors, so he never put it on. Yeah, that is that is that is a darker t- a period of time. <laughs> also, when uh, when the Raptors, I believe, were playing the uh, Seattle SuperSonics, they may have been just the Sonics at the time. And there was accusations that like Vince Carter was like giving the plays away to the Sonics. Do you remember that? I, rem- I like, remember. I remember. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. On his way out the door, like apparently, 
there was like rumors here that Vince was so unhappy with the team. He was he was he was purposely giving plays away to the Sonics and during a game. But I don't know if that's true or not. I just vaguely remember hearing that. I remember his final press conference where they asked him if he was injured because he remember he like faked injury like that whole that like last year with Toronto because he was so mad. And they asked him if he was injured, and he goes, no, I was fine. And I was like, wait a minute. And, like, it, the way wow. that he left Toronto was so dirty. I mean, they called him Air Canada. Yeah. They named him after the Air Canada Center. You know, they made it all about Vince. And I remember him saying that, you know, like, no, nah, I wasn't hurt. I just didn't want to play. And I was like, you know that, like, this yeah. city glorifies you. Like, how are you going to leave? Like, people were crying over him leaving and he left people from tears to just like sheer, you know, incredible Hulk moments, turning that corner and just getting really angry at Vince Carter. But I, I think he's maybe patched the bridge a little bit at this point. I was going to say, just like, uh, you know, the movie Jack of All Trades can, can maybe teach you, you know, there's always uh, there's always hope for reconciliation down the line after an ugly breakup. Uh, I think when the last time Vince was here, they did like a whole video tribute and, uh, you know, the seems like everyone sort of made up. There was a few close calls at the trade deadlines over the last couple of years where actually we thought Vince was going to land back on the Raptors, but it just never happened. Uh, I know he's like 58 years old now, but he's still going, so maybe <laughs> next year will be uh, the, the year that Vince comes back and does the old, uh, you know, one last hurrah. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, if the Raptors can get past the Bucks, anything is possible. If you know, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry trips in the shower and breaks their ankle, there's a chance that anybody could win the championship this year. Um, you know, there's no LeBron in the East. So the door is open for somebody to come in and step up. Absolutely. And and, and speaking of, you know, coming in and stepping up, Jack of all trades, I do want to speak with you on, on this. Uh, and, and I want to give a shout out to John Newman. So let's spend a second on John. I know that you had an opportunity to be on uh, Sports Card Nation on his podcast and you got to spend some time with him. How was that experience with John? Because I got to give him uh, credit. He's, he's he's the one that put me uh, onto the movie. No, he's great. Uh, great guy and great show. And I had a good, uh, definitely a good time with him. And he was uh, definitely extended invitation for uh, me to, from ever in the, the, the area of the queues to, uh, to hit him up and, and, you know, drinks are on him. So I think that goes for anybody listening, <laughs> not just me. Yeah, no, I, I say it all the time. When, when John says drinks are on me, that's for everybody. Not just not just you, Stu and I. That's for everyone. It's that you know, and that's and that's wherever we go for as long as we want it to be. And if Toronto loses, I think it's double drinks on John. So it's all good. <laughs> so so let's speak. No, it was a definitely a good experience, and his show is uh, if you collect um, sports cards, baseball cards. Uh, you know, he's got a he's got a great platform there. No, absolutely, and he's he's done a tremendous job with the work that he's put forward and also very uh, knowledgeable when it comes to that world as well. And so he turns me on to Jack of All Trades, and we sat down and watched it uh, this past weekend, and I, this past Saturday sat down and watched it, had a nice fire and relaxed and whatnot here in, here in Syracuse. And it's, it's a tremendous movie. I don't want to give, you know, obviously anything – away about kind of where the movie turns and whatnot. So I'm kind of going to let it be an open canvas for you, Stu, speaking here with Stu Stone, just what you want to say about Jack of all trades. Well, if you are a listener of a certain, of a certain age and era, there's a chance that you collected baseball cards at uh, one point during your ch 
childhood or junior life. Uh, specifically, you know, 1984 to 1991, there was a golden age, a big boom for the baseball card hobby. And by 1987, you know, baseball card shops were popping up everywhere. And uh, I think they said by 1990, there was 10,000 baseball card shops in um, North America. And my family had 11 of those 10,000 baseball card shops. So all around the, uh, you know, Toronto and surrounding areas, there was 11 locations of a store called Sluggers, um, which my dad, um, that was his, that was his brainchild. And so you can imagine that my childhood was completely consumed with not only just sports, but baseball cards, hockey cards, any kind of cards. Uh, we were, it was our whole life, our whole house was covered top to bottom. Our, you know, as soon as school was over, we would want to get to the store. On the weekends, we would be in the store. Uh, you know, and, and it helped that it was the most popular hobby you could imagine. Um, of course, this predates, you know, the internet and uh, Xbox and all these other things that, uh, you know, iPads and stuff that people have today. We would either have to, you know, we'd have to go outside and play or use our imaginations to do things and Baseball cards were just a huge part of our childhood and taught a lot of kids about, you know, the trials and tribulations of trading and business and getting a card for a dollar and selling it for two dollars. And there was a Beckett price guide that came out every month that you could look up your cards. And it was like a stock market in a lot of ways um, for kids. And, uh, you know, one day the bubble kind of just bursts as it does on a lot of uh these type of markets, and uh, I think, you know, there was a strike in 1994 that didn't help and sort of turned a lot of people off of baseball, and, you know, right before then, my dad sold the business and got out of the business, and he kind of just, you know, wasn't really part of our lives anymore after that. He kind of took off, and that was sort of like it for me and baseball cards, you know, we had a nice run, but... There was just a lot of, you know, it was over. And um, to make a long story short, you know, 20 some odd years later, um, after my grandfather had passed away, they found all these boxes in his basement that had my name on them from when we must have moved from my childhood home after my parents got, you know, separated and divorced. And I knew that, you know, I had the best collection of baseball cards as a kid. And I used to collect everything. It wasn't just baseball cards. It was just the collector's mentality that, I was brought up with, so I knew I had some really great stuff in those boxes. So we got up, got together with some buddies, and um, we rolled camera, and uh, we ended up making this amazing documentary. Which uh, you know, I'm a little biased, but it's pretty. It's a good. We'll call it a good documentary about uh, that started out as a, as an exploration into whatever have, happened to baseball cards. Why, uh, you know, what, what's up with their value? Did they keep their value? Are they worth a, a, for, a small fortune now? Or are they not? What's going on uh, with the hobby? And ultimately, after, you know, going around and meeting and talking to all the different companies and meeting various players and whatnot, uh, you know, it's, it turned into, uh, you know, we should go, we should, we should try to get, go and talk to your father because he'll have the answers for you. And so the movie sort of takes a turn and, sort of uh, becomes a, a sort of a, a potential reconciliation, I guess, between, you know, will I, me and my estranged father end up uh, getting back together there. 
So, you know, that's pretty much the movie in a nutshell. But uh, you don't have to be a baseball card fan to like the movie. There's something for everybody in it. But it, it definitely helps if you were a card collector. There's a lot of nostalgia. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff. Jose Canseco is in the movie. And if you collected baseball cards at any point in your life, Jose Canseco was a household name. And, uh, you know, just to get to talk to him about baseball cards was so cool. So, I mean, that's that's my general rundown. <laughs> Hopefully it convinced some of your listeners to check it out. It is avail- available um, on iTunes and on video on demand on, I think, through Amazon and other places. So you sort of have to look for it. But once you find it, I think you'll uh, you'll, keep, you'll enjoy it. No, and it's tremendous. Speaking here with Stu Stone this morning, we're speaking on Jack of All Trades. And for you, Stu, to you know, kind of embark on this journey, you know, we we see in this movie, you 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 know, you find these cards and, and you believe they're worth something, and then we kind of see you go through this journey of are they or or are they not? You know, how much of this was you know because it, it looks tangible i mean it looks real that you're you're just kind of feeling this in the moment was that how it was even with like the kind of twist with with your your dad maybe getting involved in this and whatnot did you kind of feel you know at all did it did it feel you know maybe staged or set up to you that somebody was like hey let's do this or hey let's do that like an intervention or did you feel like it was just kind of just real time things were happening pieces were moving and it just kind of ended up turning into something else i mean how would you describe going through it because only you can sit in that seat yeah i I would say that you know it's very much you know when you watch these really good documentaries and i'm not necessarily putting our movie up there with that but when you watch these really good documentaries there's usually like a crazy left-hand turn that they take that make them that, that take them from a good movie to great movie and make them special and 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 i could probably tell you even without speaking to those filmmakers that it has a lot to do with like the film gods are, are looking down and shining on you, knowing what you're, you know, that you're trying to tell a story. Uh, in reality, it had been brought up to me to go, you know, maybe we should find your dad and, and talk to him. And, you know, I might have been willing to go and, and look for him because I thought it would make an interesting movie and not expecting to find him. And, you know, going out to like where he may be living and and try to track him down. But, you know, what ended up happening in the movie, it's crazy. It's just the, out of nowhere. This guy just like turns up, not to spoil the movie, but, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous how, how stuff like that happens. And, you know, it just feels like the universe is sort of telling you to do something. Now, I don't know if I would have done I don't know if I would have gone through with everything and done everything if there wasn't a movie being made. I don't know that any of this would have ever happened because there would be no reason for it to happen necessarily. So I don't know, man. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy. It's it's definitely something that happened in in real time, and it was definitely an unexpected surprise. And the whole thing is just wild. You know, there's there's. The, the original cut of the film that I had turned into um, the broadcasters and whatnot was actually a, a, like 20, I want to say it was about 22, 25 minutes longer than the movie you saw. It had a lot more about baseball cards and stuff in it. But, uh, you know, we had a time, in our contract, we had a time constraint. You know, they needed the movie to be a certain amount of time for 
sales or whatever else. And, you know, it came, the, the, the stuff with the family was, everyone was going so wild over it that, you know, I'd actually like cut some baseball card stuff out of a baseball card movie to make room for this family stuff that ended up being so compelling to so many people. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm kind of speechless at the whole thing. It went from a topic that I had never addressed in my life to something that I'm like talking about almost daily now. Uh, as this movie is out now and people are seeing it and people are discovering it. Yeah. And I'm um, also discovering that I'm not the only one that has gone through stuff like this. And it's made me sort of realize that, you know, any, even the biggest problem that you are facing in your own life, someone else, the thousands of other people are facing the exact same problem. So there's, you know, there's other people out there going through the same thing, no matter what it is. And it includes even a unique situation like mine. I'm getting emails and letters and hit up constantly from, you know, people who are, who went through similar circumstances, who maybe didn't get a chance to do what I did. And, you know, it seems like they really got a lot out of it, uh, out of my experience. So it's been a really interesting movie. I never thought that there would be a baseball card movie that like people would be crying watching it, (laughs) (laughs) but we have succeeded somehow in pulling that off. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been really amazing, and you know, it's actually got me loving the hobby of baseball cards again. Um, you know, despite what we may have uncovered in the movie, I you know, it's it, it's it, I guess it's in my blood, but I, I can't I can't get enough. And uh, you know, some of the companies that produce these cards might I'm, they might not be the biggest fan of mine anymore, but I'm still a big fan of theirs, and uh, I you know. I can't help myself. I like just was opening a box of 1987 tops recently, pulled a Bo Jackson rookie card. It made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's an incredible, it's an incredible thing that we got to do. And it's just amazing now to be able to finally share it with the world. And I love that you loved it. And, uh, if it wasn't for that movie, I wouldn't be talking to you. So there you go. We wouldn't even be talking. <laughs> My dad didn't take off 20, somewhat years ago uh so there, there's fate for you right there well and, and and that's the thing is you know you know people talk about and i always talk about you know you be you're thrown into the fire and that that original feeling that first feeling of being thrown into the fire is oh my god it burns you know and, and you know i could feel it it's under my skin it's you know it's it's burning me alive type of thing and then all of a sudden after a minute or so goes by you look around and the flames are a part of you you're a part of the flames you're in them you're alive you're here then you start to use them for you know your your own kind of progression forward and i tell people that all the time I don't like getting thrown into the fire, and then when I'm in the fire, I'm always like, oh, you shouldn't have done that, because now I'm going to be better. In your case, you know, like you said, you got thrown into the fire as a kid, and look at how you came out of this thing. Look at how successful you are, everything that you've done in film and the, and the work that you've had and, and, and what you've done in your personal life to grow as a human being. If you weren't thrown into the fire as a child, you wouldn't be the adult that you are, and that's got to be a, a tremendous story for you to wake up with every day. Well, I mean, I appreciate that. That's very sweet of you to say. And, uh, you know, ironically, if I wasn't thrown into the fire as a child, maybe my baseball card collection wouldn't be thrown in the fire as an adult. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, listen, man, you're, you're, you nailed it. It's, uh, it's pretty, you know, I'm not going to lie to you and sit here and tell you that, like, much has changed for me from, you know, whatever happened with me in that movie. But, you know, at least I went through it and... 
have some more answers and not as many unanswered questions. And it's good. It's good. I mean, some days I feel great. Some days I don't feel great, just like everybody else. But uh, overall, I feel like uh, in a in a bigger scheme of things that you know you go you every you go through everything for a reason. You know, whatever you want to call it. Some would say God's plan. Some would say fate. But uh, you know, if I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't have had this uh, this movie to share. And you know, not to say that I would go through that again just to have this movie, but this is where life has taken me. And you know, I'm okay with it. And I and I, and I love the movie. I've seen it a bunch of times. And I and even as someone who had to sit in the editing suite and really like cut a documentary down from you know hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of footage into 85 minutes. Uh, you know, I, I still like it. I think it's good. And I, I can see things that I would do a little bit differently if I could. But overall, I would say that it's a, it's a, it's a really good movie. And I'm not just, uh, you know, I'm, and I know that I'm a director of other movies. And I can tell you that those ones are not as good as movies. So I'm not just saying that all my movies are good. But this one is good. And I can confidently say that, you know, if people check it out, they're going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, coming from film, TV, and voiceover actor, as well as the creator of Jack of All Trades, Stu Stone, here with us this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Uh, Stu, I, I want to ask you about Harvey, because we get to meet Harvey in the movie, behind the camera, in front of the camera, Harvey Glazer. Just what you could say about your relationship with, with Harvey, because it, it seems like you know he's that friend that wants to pull out you know the best in you, or maybe to get you to, to jump jump off that cliff and, and get to the other side when maybe you don't want to do it. What's what's Harvey been like in your life? Because we see kind of that back and forth with you in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with him. He uh, he was my next... He, he lived across the street from me growing up, so um, it was a natural choice to sort of have him go down this path with us because he knew it. He lived it, too. You know, he knew us. He knew my dad. He knew my mom. He knew the cards. He was, he was a part of our childhood, and I thought it would be a good idea to, to have him be a part of this. And, you know, in the end, it turned out that it was a good idea. But, you know, the journey to go through it with him, he's a guy that kind of like picks at your scabs. And uh, there's no shortage, there was no shortage of scabs for him to pick in this, <laughs> during this, uh, this journey. Uh, you know, he's like a brother, I guess. You know, it's like we have a love-hate relationship. We fight a lot. Uh, it was really a difficult process going through this with him. Um, not just in the filming of the movie, but in the crafting of the movie and the editing of the movie. We had a lot of disagreements along the way about a lot of things. And, you know, it even resulted in us, you know, having big blow-up fights and not even speaking for months at a time. Uh, but, you know, the dust has settled on that and, and we're cool. And, you know, I'm really happy that, that, that I got to do this with him. But it was very difficult. Uh, He's a really great guy. He's he's a, a, a great, you know, he knows what he's doing. And he has a way of, of getting under your skin. But like you said, you know, he's, in the end, he's got good intentions. And what it is that he's trying to get you to do is actually, like, a good thing. He just needs to work on the branding and messaging of how he gets you to do it, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, Harv is a very talented guy. He's uh, a, a film director who, you know, has a lot of... Uh, really cool credits on his uh, resume and I think that this is a real special one for him because we got to do it together and uh, same for me 
So, uh, you know, all the best, uh, you know, I got nothing but, but positive things to say about Harv. Uh, but, but I'm not going to lie to you. We, it was a very strenuous, stressful journey for the both of us to, to do this together. We both had two very different visions of what we wanted this movie to be. And we weren't shy about letting our audience uh, kind of take a peek into that as well. Um, you know, and it's interesting. You know, you're watching a movie about the making of a movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you had two guys trying to direct a movie who want to tell two different stories. And in the end, uh, you know, both stories kind of tie in together and it, it all sort of makes sense. So kudos to Harf. And uh, I don't know if he's listening, but if he is, uh, you know, he should go visit John Newman. Drinks are on John <laughs> if he's ever in Turkey. Absolutely. So uh, here with Stu Stone and uh, Stu. Before I let you go, I got to ask you this: There's a I, I do an entertainment show called Super Powered Pop, kind of the brother show of Wake Up Call, and I I have to jump into this because both of these songs, after John played them, we were we're sitting out by the fire, and he goes, "You, you got to check these out." So Rolling with Saget and Ordinary Girl, I, I got to ask you about both of them separately because they they both you know, hit me in a different way. But rolling with Saget, first of all, Bob Saget, we know, is so much more than Danny Tanner from Full House and is actually the polar opposite when you see him out and doing his comedy and whatnot. How did you get Bob Saget to do this thing? I know, obviously, you have a connection with Jamie Kennedy, but what bring me into doing a music video with Bob Saget and how willing was Bob to do this thing? Well, it's, uh, it's funny, you know, it seems like a lifetime ago, but, you know, Jamie Kennedy was doing a movie called Malibu's Most Wanted, where he played like a rapper named B-Rad, and uh, the movie was pretty successful, he wanted to try to record a rap album of songs with B-Rad, and he, you know, sort of asked me, you know, I was kind of doing, I had a band back then, and I was doing music, and he asked me if I'd be interested in helping him kind of write and produce a B-Rad album, and I was like, sure, no problem. And, you know, off to work I went, and so we started crafting these songs, and, you know, as, it, as we were going along on, the, on, the, on that path, you know, Jamie and I sort of ended up just doing it together, and we sort of ended up becoming a sort of a group, let's just say, and we were doing these silly rap songs together, and once we sort of realized, hey, these songs are pretty good, we should try to get a record deal, uh, we thought, you know, you need to have... A, a guest feature on your song all these great rap songs back then always had like a hot rapper featuring on uh, on you know it's a good way to get an unknown rapper known is by getting a known rapper on your track so we had reached out to Nas and Jay-Z and all of these big rappers and nobody was interested uh, one day Jamie just threw me his phone and I was like who's in your phone like there's got to be somebody and I didn't even make it past B because we landed on Bob Saget and I was like, this is it. You got to call Bob. And of course, Bob is, Bob loves Jamie. And, uh, you know, he was down. And <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. We have a rap song called Rolling with Bob Saget, which ended up being sort of a life-changing, at that time, uh, song for me and Jamie. Uh, you know, we ended up uh, getting an MTV show that uh, uh, kind of, it was like Curb Your Enthusiasm with white rappers. And uh, it chronicled our, our, our time trying to get a record deal, which we ultimately did. And it all, it all, it all lands on Bob Saget, who, you know, it could have been Jay-Z, it could have been Nas, but <laughs> no, we ended up with Bob Saget, and it was, it was perfect. Absolutely. Uh, there is a music video on YouTube. Um, 
that you can watch. And, you know, George Lucas makes a cameo in the music video. Yeah. And it's it's just insane. Yeah. Um, also, Terry Crews and John Stamos are also in the video. And uh, it's, it's so good. Bob Saget's the man. So if you ever see him on tour, I know he comes through Syracuse a lot and drinks with John Newman. But uh, <laughs> he... he, he he uses that song to come up on stage and at all of his shows. So if you end up getting a chance to see Bob, definitely tell him Stu says hi. Uh, absolutely. And and the the other song that you did, and you said you know you never know what people are going through in life. And and, and I you know and, and I've been I'm always you know real with my listeners about it. I'm always been honest. Sixteen years of broadcasting, just kind of telling people, you know, this is what's going on. And the day after my. Uh, so, you know, you, you had obviously with your dad leaving and whatnot, I had been married and I thought, okay, the rest of my life is with this person. It's with this woman and you know, I'm going to be with her forever. And the day after she ultimately kind of cheated and left the house, I got on the show the next morning and I don't think she expected that, that that's, you know, Sunday morning, you know, 3 a.m., and, and all this stuff is going on. What's he going to do Monday? And Monday morning, I got on and I talked about adversity. And I didn't really get into my thing, but I kind of talked about, you know, what you go through. And you started getting, like you said, started getting messages from people like, you know, this is happening with my son right now and it's really stressful. You know, this just happened to my mom and I'm trying to find a way through it. Thank you for talking about adversity. I needed that today. Thank you for being real. And you started to see that, you know, that collective pain where, I don't want to talk about it, but I feel like I should talk about it because maybe it can help somebody. And then I watched this and, and you and this is the thing. You never know what something's going to do. I watched Ordinary Girl and I watched it on YouTube. And the thing about it is I have gone through since, you know, she had left and you get back out into the dating world. I believe in God. I'm a moral guy. I tell the truth. I've never cheated. Like I try to do things the right way. And I found that that, you know, in the world of dating now, some people think, their you know what doesn't doesn't stink so to speak and that they're a higher caliber or that you know people are better than this i watched ordinary girl and it made me take a step back in all honesty and go nobody's better than anybody else and you know some people like yourself see that you know this person thinks that they deserve this or that they've earned the right to treat somebody a certain way and they don't so that movie actually or that song actually touched me the video did because of my road of the last seven months and my road of kind of growing. So I have to give you a lot of props and a lot of credit for that. Thanks, man. Uh, That's crazy. It's the first time I've ever been uh, like complimented on that song. (laughs) I love it. Uh, You know, it feels like a lifetime ago, like I said, when I was even doing that that music, but it's still out there. And, you know, it's like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to be one of those people that like, you know, calls what I do art, but just for the sake of this metaphor and this conversation, you know, a lot of great art is birthed from going through great pain. And, you know, pain births art. And pain, pain births storytelling. Uh, you know, it's very similar to Jack of All Trades. I went through terrible things and was able to turn it into something. And same thing with Ordinary Girl. I, You know, obviously I've gone through similar circumstances that uh, you have gone through and a lot of other people have gone through and just decided to, to tell, you know, turn it into something so you know you going on your show on monday is very similar to me doing that song or me doing this movie it's like that's your that's your platform and kudos to you for doing it 
Um, you know, it's it's crazy. It's a silly. I'm a little embarrassed by the songs nowadays. You know, I'm a little older now, and I look back and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> but it's funny, you know, that still after all these years, there's still people that are discovering, uh, you know, these songs, and it still can have an effect after all these years. It's it's pretty awesome. It's just the power of music. It's timeless. Um, you know, it's great. I, I don't know what to say, but uh, I'm humbled that you uh, that you found a little comfort hearing that song, and I and I thank you for for the compliments and the high praise. No, oh, absolutely. And uh, the two final pieces here you mentioned, Jose Canseco, and I want to get to one final piece after that. But Jose Canseco, just what you can say about—I mean, this guy's larger than life. I'm watching Jack of All Trades. I'm looking at this guy going. Is he bigger now than he's ever been? Did he eat Jose Canseco? I mean, this guy is massive. He looks like he can, you know, bang home runs like nothing right now. I mean, this is a guy that I grew up with, got a lot of, you know, I I loved watching him play and just the way that he went about it, his kind of like, no nonsense, I don't care what you think of me. You got to sit down with him. So how did that, how did that all happen? I mean, how did you, how did you get the connection to Jose Canseco and then, just bring me into being in a room with this guy who's literally larger than life. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is. He's definitely a monster. He's, he doesn't age. He still looks like Jose Canseco. You know, you go go to like a lot of these card conventions and, and comic cons, and you see celebrities and stars from the from the eighties and nineties, and they don't look anything like themselves. They look like a shell of themselves, and it's not their fault. I mean, life happens, um, but. Jose Canseco has found a fountain of youth, and he has guzzled the whole thing down. The guy looks the same as he did 20 years ago. His muscles are probably bigger than they were. I'm not going to speculate what's in the water that he was drinking, but boy, oh boy, <laughs> he looks like he could hit 50 home runs right now. Um, when I first got to his place to talk to him, you know, he wasn't very receptive to us when we first got there. But you know, by the time we left there, we were best buddies, and you know, what are you guys doing later? You know, let's hang. He was so cool. And I guess, you know, I understand. You know, a guy like him probably has, like, his guard up because there's so many hanger-oners and people that are trying to just always, you know, have evil intentions. Um, And then, you know, he's been surrounded by controversy for so long that he just seems to have this wall up. But we managed to chip away at his wall, and by the end of it, the wall was completely down, and he he was so cool, sharing amazing stories with us. Uh, you know, the thing about a documentary, it's very edited, you know, you have, I was with Jose Canseco for over two hours. You saw, you know, a handful of minutes of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I could do a whole movie just on the interview with Jose Canseco. <laughs> like, that's how amazing it was. And I wasn't shy about asking him anything. You know, he was down to talk about whatever. And uh, just a really cool guy. I think he's really misunderstood. I think that... Uh, you know, he does a lot of crazy things to get attention on Twitter and whatnot. And, you know, so I guess that's what he likes to do. But he's, uh, you know, when we were kids, there was no bigger star. I mean, yeah, there was Michael Jordan and arguably Bo Jackson, but Jose Canseco was right up there. Uh, You know, this guy did it all. And uh, it was amazing to get to talk to him and, and, and chill with him. There's other players that we got to interview in the movie, too, that didn't actually make it into the final cut. I actually got to meet, uh, talk to Will Clark as well. Uh, he was the man also. And here's another guy that people always thought of as, like, standoffish. Um, 
but it, you know, I had a great time talking to him. Yeah. And I think that that you know, a lot of these players uh, and celebrities in general, like you know, they don't they they all seem to have this like wall up that you have to sort of chip away at. They need to sort of trust you before they sort of open up because of all the you know lecherous people they probably have in their lives. So kudos to Jose for opening up his door to us and letting us in. And it was really cool to have get his perspective, um, not only on baseball cards and on his career, but on his uh, his mustache that he tried to grow early <laughs> in his career. I made sure to, to definitely keep all of that stuff in the movie because I found it to be so funny. But uh, for those of you who are not familiar, on Jose Canseco's rookie cards, he has like a little cater- caterpillar on his top lip. And uh, I had to call him out on it and get an explanation on what the hell he was thinking with that mustache. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, cer- he certainly did give me the uh, his feelings on it. Yeah, he, he gave you a, <laughs> gave you a nice answer for that that you should all see he by going. Me another story, but you know, there was one point in his career where he was uh, doing MMA fighting, and he once went down. Or there was an MMA fight advertised between him and some other celebrity. I, I, the name is escaping me right now, but apparently, you know, Canseco won the fight, and then at the end, they realized that it was actually his twin brother, Ozzy Canseco, that had been in the fight. <laughs> so he, you know, he's, 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 he's got some crazy stories, including that one, but he does have that twin brother of his, uh, so you never know. Yeah. Some of those 40 home runs <laughs> may have been hit by Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, Jose Canseco is definitely a story in and of himself every single day, I feel. The the, the final piece, speaking here with, with Stu Stone, Stu, you, you've gotten to do so much work, and, and Jack of all trades, you know, we've gotten to speak about this morning and spent a lot of time with that, but you've, you've worked on so many different things, and, you know, being a voice actor, you've gotten to get involved with a lot of things like Swamp Thing and, and Beetlejuice and, and Bill and Ted's, and I think you had mentioned Rugrats, you know, Super Mario World and whatnot, just what you can say, the tick, you know, about you know your experiences with that, because I'm looking at all of this, and I and and I'm finding a, a lot with that. You know, I mean, everybody kind of finds you a certain way and whatnot, but I'm kind of taken aback by you being a part of all these shows that I grew up with. So you know, just what what that life has been like for you. That you know, you've gotten to go out there and be in the music industry and rap and whatnot, and make these songs. You've been able to direct it, you know, be a filmmaker and create different things, and obviously, you know, create jack of all trades. And you've been in movies like Donnie Darko, and you've done voice acting work. You you've gotten to really jump into a bunch of different worlds. So I know that that could be a whole show in and of itself. But to just kind of give me your thoughts on on some of the things that you've gotten to do because you've been so seasoned, you know, in, in, in being able to work in these worlds and, and be a voice actor and, and really bring some of this stuff to life. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, the title of the movie is more befitting on me because a lot of people would say that, you know, in the entertainment field, I'm, I'm a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. Um, not necessarily great at one thing, but pretty good at a lot of things. And <laughs> I would, I, you know, I would, I would give the credit to my mom and dad for that. I mean, I got into the acting business without without choice really I was a little kid and sort of just grew up doing this and you know by the time I was 10 years old I was uh I had landed a role on a cartoon you probably don't remember called My Pet Monster that was my first uh, I do remember that cartoon job and it sort of just spawned from there uh I I think I was in more, uh, over 75 different cartoon shows in, when I was a kid and 
it was amazing. Like, I didn't even know how that stuff worked until I got there to do it. And it's incredible. It's obviously incredible. Um, Being on all those cartoons was amazing. And I still do uh, some cartoon work from time to time now, even as an adult. But there was like a heyday, I would say, from like, you know, it kind of correlated with the baseball cards a little bit. But like, you know, from around like 87 to 95, I was probably on like every cartoon show that there ever was. Um, It was amazing. It was a hell of a run. And some of those shows are still airing now. One of the shows I was on was called The Magic School Bus, which is a little bit past when you were watching cartoons. But it's like a a cartoon we did 20 years ago that's still popular today. Yeah. And it's the same episode still playing 20 years later. Uh, It's it's remarkable. You know, Donnie Darko is another project, which is not voiceover, but I was an actor in. But it's something that we did, you know, 15 years ago. And it's still, to this day, you know, a, a, a talked about movie. So I've been very lucky to be a part of these type of projects that have long, long, long shelf lives. They're like non-perishable movies and and cartoons and stuff. And and it's been amazing. And I'm very thankful for the career that I've had. And I I feel like, you know, I've been a guy that's like been flying under the radar, so to speak. Um, You know, I've been in a ton of stuff, but I'm one of those guys that's like, oh, you were in that. Uh, So I still have, I still, you know, I have a lot of famous friends, but I can walk down the street and have, and, and get from A to B quite comfortably and not have, uh, you know, privacy issues that a lot of celebrity friends do have. They can't even leave their houses. So I'm very blessed and thankful for the journey that I've been on, and, and I know that I'm just getting going. You know, I'm, this is a, a new hat I'm wearing as a filmmaker, and, and I'm definitely enjoying it, and uh, I, I'm really excited to see what, what, where, the future, where the future takes me. Absolutely. That coming from Stu Stone, film, TV, voiceover, music, and so much more. Jack of all trades like Stu said. Stu said, you know, not just the name of the movie that he brought to us, but also the, you know, kind of fitting moniker of who he is in this world of entertainment. Stu, I know it's the first time you've been on the show, but would love to have you back. I I can't thank you enough for spending an extended amount of time. No problem. We're just scratching the surface, man. Absolutely. Uh, But we can do that for sure. And, uh, And as we know... Drinks on John, so that's good. Yeah, of course. Of course. John Newman. I was telling John Newman that uh, one of my very good friends and the guy that did a lot of the music, all those great songs that you hear in Jack of All Trades, his name is John Newman. So there was a good tie-in right there. Yeah. He's not buying drinks for anybody, not John Newman. (laughs) Well, yeah, th- this one, this one, he's, he's good people. I could vouch for him. But Stu, as always, you know, thank you once again. Thank you so much. I really, honestly, can't thank you enough for telling your story and, and being so open about it and spending some time here today. And and so I look forward to having you back soon. And you know, the uh, the door is yeah, always anytime, open here. Man, anytime, just let me know. I'll, anytime, and hopefully, someone out there listening will uh, get a chance to watch Jack of All Trades, and they can hit me up on. Uh, social media i've got all those you know twitter and instagram and there's definitely a jack of all trades presence the jack of all trades instagram page is amazing every day there's a new baseball card uploaded on there so if you need a trip down memory lane you definitely should check out the jack of all trades instagram page uh twitter facebook everywhere and uh again thanks for having me i appreciate it absolutely so take care we'll talk with you soon all right take care